Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. And boy, have we got a jam-packed show for you tonight. And some great memories as well of the 1995 Rugby World Cup. We'll be looking back and sharing some of those with you this evening. We'll also be chatting to the man who was the hero of that match. Uh, The man who kicked that drop goal over. Joel Stransky joins us live on SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. We'll also chat to outgoing Stormers coach Alistair Katsia on tonight's show as well. Stick around for that. Well, good news for the Bok squad. Captain Jean de Villiers looks set to make his return to the national side in their one-off match against the World 15 in Cape Town on July the 11th. De Villiers, who sustained a dreadful knee injury against Wales last year, will get clarity from team doctor Craig Roberts next week when the Bok assemble in Johannesburg ahead of that World 15 clash but he's hoping to get onto the field in Cape Town to make an incredible return. I'll definitely be playing in July. Which date exactly, you know, we don't know yet. Maybe the 11th of July, maybe the 18th of July. But i um, just excited that the time is getting closer and closer to playing again. And um, yeah, hopefully I can, I can hit some form early on and, and hopefully put in some performances that's worthy of a, of a Springbok selection. Even though De Villiers hasn't seen any game time this year, the centre field's mind is ready to take on international rugby once again. Luckily I've been playing for quite a while and you know the mind is still strong from a rugby point of view now it's just for the body to follow and, uh, and just get over the fears of, of re-injuring the knee. Uh, that is the mental uh, sort of challenge uh, you know, for any player coming back from a big injury. But one good tackle on the knee and, and you're confident again. So two months a lot of rugby will still be played and I'm, I'm confident that, I'll, you know, that I can hit the sort of form that's expected. Speaking of that form, De Villiers confirmed he could use this year's Curry Cup as a way to regain it. It also looks like there might be a return for De Villiers' centre partner, Jacques Ferry, the former Bach, who announced his retirement from international rugby last year. has been given permission by his Japanese club, the Kobe Steelers, uh, and is once again available for Springbok selection. The club has, however, uh, denied Andres Becker the same privilege, and I'll ask uh, the new Kobe Steelers coach, Alistair Gutsia, about that a little bit later on this evening, too. In other rugby news, Brumby's winger Henry Spate has been banned for five weeks after his red card for a dangerous tackle on Stormer Centre, Juan de Jong thus ruling him out of the rest of the Super Rugby playoffs. EP Kings fly-off Tony Yankees has had his contract with the union terminated with immediate effect due to a breach of their team protocols. On to football news, Orlando Pirates unveiled their new signings for the 2015-2016 season today. The Buccaneers made five new signings, three of them coming from the National First Division, namely Gift Matupa, Tembin Corsi Lorch and Luvoyo Memela. They've also signed Zimbabwean striker Tendai Ndoru from Pumalanga Black Aces, as well as Equatorial Guinea goalkeeper Felipe Ovono. Meanwhile, Uruguay striker Edison Cavani could miss the Copa America quarterfinal with Chile due to personal reasons, and Liverpool have confirmed the signing of Brazil forward Roberto Firmino from Hoffenheim on a five-year deal which is subject to a medical in tennis news, Novak Djokovic has been named the top seed for Wimbledon, which starts next week ahead of Roger Federer. South Africa's Kevin Anderson will be seeded 14th. And the ladies draw, Serena Williams tops the rankings uh, ahead of defending champion Petra Kvitova and Simona Halep. Staying with women's tennis at the Aegon Eastbourne Championship today, seventh seed Eugenie Burchard was uh, forced to retire hurt in her third round clash against Switzerland's Belinda Benchik. Agnieszka Radvanska advanced in straight sets, while 14th seed Gabriela Muguruza was sent packing in three. Caroline Wozniacki second seed is through as well. She was a set down but has won her clash in three sets against Svetlana Kuznetsova. Third one day international between
between Bangladesh and India is taking place. I can tell you it has just wrapped up uh, as we speak. Bangladesh dismissed for 240, India winning that by 70 runs. And finally... In golf, the winner of this year's British Open will collect more than £1 million for the first time in the tournament's history. The overall prize fund of the game's oldest major championship has increased by £900,000 to £6.3 million, with the champion receiving £1.15 million. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we'll relive some of the glory moments of the 1995 Rugby World Cup as we celebrate the 20-year anniversary today. Where were you? SAFM Sports Wrap. As Jürgen van der Westhuizen, what a name he's making for himself on the international scene. He's just 24, Jürgen van der Westhuizen, and only, believe it or not, in the last six or seven months has established himself as the, the number one in the country. New Zealand is coming down with just seven players. Down they go. Held by South Africa. They wheel, they wheel. They're going to have to go down again, I think. Yes, they are. Ed Morrison will call them up again. The danger for New Zealand is Jubert coming up on the blind side. You could have the number eight pick up the quick pop to the number nine fullback in the line, creating the extra man. Standing off is Zinzan Brook as Van der Besthuizen goes to Stratsky, the top goal attempt. Yes, it's there! It's there! That's all over! South Africa are the world champions for 1995. It is all over! Charles Stransky has kicked South Africa to victory, but not only that, it has been a performance of mammoth proportions by the South Africans. They are hugging each other in the field, and it is a party time, second to none for South Africa. It is a wonderful, wonderful occasion for South Africa. Well, what an incredible uh, piece of sound that was, and it was uh, an incredible day. It's hard to believe that it was 20 years ago today that we won that trophy back in 1995, and I don't think there's a single person in this country that uh, thinks back to that day and can't remember exactly where they were at that exact time, and it's uh, an absolute pleasure to welcome one of the heroes of that day onto SAFM Sports Wrap, and great to catch up once again. Joel Stransky, welcome back. Uh, thanks, man. Nice to be on the show, especially on a uh on a wonderful occasion like this. Joel, can you believe it? It's 20 years? No, it can't be 20 years. I'm still a young man. <laughs> I love it. Joel, it's, it's been a, a long day for you. You've, uh, you've got to, to catch up with uh, some of your old teammates, some of them you've been in touch with, but some you haven't seen for a long, long time. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, as I, I've said all day, I'm, I'm not one who dwells on the past. I'm not one who, I've never watched the tape of the game, and even today, Sitting with the guys, was just going in the background. I sort of I found it hard to even focus and watch any little bits of it. But what was so special about today was to see all the guys and to, and to reminisce about those those great times we went through. You know, some of the suffering, some of the hardship, and of course, all the pleasure. And uh, really, really good to see the guys. Joel, thinking back to, to that time in 1995, it was obviously a, a watershed time for South Africa coming out of, of uh, our first democratic elections, and it was an important, important time for the country. Did you guys realize at the time how big and monumental this thing was that you were part of? No, definitely not. Not at all. We, you know, I, I like to explain it as us being a group of young men who loved this beautiful game called rugby, who wanted to go out and play the game to the best of our ability, and to participate in in this unbelievable event, you know, this Rugby World Cup. And uh, I think the, the 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 importance, the significance, 
every it only settled a little bit after the event, and I think we only really fully understand it on on days like this. And and just looking at, at some of those teammates, I saw a photo. I mean, we were joking at, at the start of this. You were saying it can't be 20 years. We're still young. I, I was looking at some of the photos today, and I was quite shocked at, at how old some of the guys were looking. I, no disrespect, but it, you, it, it seems like yesterday, and you can't believe how, how some of the guys have aged. Yeah, well, some of them, I think, have probably put on a little bit of weight and lost a bit of hair. But, you know, for, for us, and I just look at the guys, we don't see the aging, you know. We just see them for... The mates they are, and the and the and the, the comrades in arms, for want of a better term, and and, and you know, ages anyway, it's just just a number, isn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. And and Joel, I mean, I, I mentioned that everyone remembers where they were. You were on that spot with that drop goal. That that was the turning point in that final. You say you not want to to sort of dwell on the past. You must have replayed that drop goal over in your mind many many times over the last twenty years. Well, you know, I've seen it at dinners and seen it in in highlights cups and on TV and, and it, it was a spectacular moment for for us as a country and for us as a team and in particular for me but um, you know as I said it is it is something that is, is a part of a past life it's something I'm incredibly proud of it's something, something we're, we're all incred- incredibly proud of but it's not something that we can dwell on is it? No without a doubt yeah absolutely and it's something that can't be taken away from you and there's a group of individuals who are, are looking ahead to another one this year and, and hoping that South Africa can make it uh, a third victory uh, for that famous trophy well, wouldn't, yeah wouldn't that be nice eh? and uh, uh, this is certainly a team that that has the ability and I was delighted to hear today that John de Villiers has been cleared to start playing again um, so you know the, the captain is back I know how important the captain is in the equation so it all bodes well. Good mix of experience, a couple of good youngsters coming through. Um, if you know if we can enjoy it and we can get it right on the day, no doubt we can we can bring home World Cup trophy number three. Uh, let's hope uh, you're 100% right, Joel. Always great to catch up. Thanks for, for your memories of that day. And uh, it's it's one that's uh, very fondly remembered by, by many, many South Africans. And thank you for the part that you played in it. Pleasure, Brad. Honestly, my pleasure. I'm lovely chatting. Have a good evening, eh? SAFM Sports Wrap. Yeah, what an amazing guy. So humble as well. But uh, what an incredible day that was. 20 years ago today. Let us know where you were. 34701. Those SMSs are charged at 2RAN. You can also tweet us at SAFM Sports Wrap. I said it on PM Live. I was sitting in a hotel room in Washington, D.C. Uh, as an exchange student on the phone home, listening to uh, TV commentary through the telephone when we wanted, because it wasn't on TV back then in 19. But what an incredible, incredible day And what an incredible team it was Some big names And uh, forgotten about some of those players And read an article that uh, Rob Howing wrote uh, The Sport24 chief writer Just a comparison between some of those players Well, not some of them, all of them The players that played in 1995 To the current crop of Springboks And it's uh, made for very, very interesting reading And it's a, a great pleasure to welcome on to SFM Sports uh, Wrap this evening uh, Rob Howing, Rob, welcome on to the show Thanks for taking the time to chat to us Hello, Brad. Nice to chat to you. Rob, it was a, an incredible team, and, and on paper, back in 95, probably not the best team there, if you, if you think about it, but uh, it was just the, the, the occasion and, and the amount of heart that they played with, but there were some world-class players in that side, and you've done this comparison, and one of the names that I had forgotten about was uh, at fullback, Andre Joubert, he was called the Rolls-Royce, uh, and, and he was just an, uh, an incredible talent, wasn't he? He was indeed, yeah. I mean, uh, as you say, he was one of the blue-chip players in that side, uh, very much sort of, uh, you know, at the sort of uh, pomp of his career, if you like. He was uh, uh, he was world-respected. Um, everybody knew his qualities. Fantastic all-round game. 
uh, had real X factor on attack, the way he used to sort of just glide so naturally into the line. But he did his sort of defensive chores very well too. And uh, you know, he was one of the key reasons why I decided to do what really was was sort of a, a fun little exercise because it is very difficult, Brad, to to sort of compare um, players from uh, you know 20 years apart. The game has moved on enormously. Um, but I thought it would be a fun little exercise, and it would provoke some reaction. And of course, you know, uh, Andre Joubert versus Vili Leroux, for instance, um, at fullback. Uh, was uh, was uh, you know an intriguing little uh, little sort of study because um, Billy Leroux has got uh, you know uh, we all know uh, is one of the the best sort of X factor players if you like in the current box mix um, and uh, if not perhaps quite as established yet as a, a genuine sort of um, you know world class name with respect uh, as as someone like Andre Joubert and uh, I found it quite quite a difficult uh, exercise in many ways because there were some players who were, who were really really hard to hard to separate yeah without a doubt and and you mentioned Billy Leroux I mean. Both those players, those fullbacks, used to, I mean, uh, Andre Joubert could break the line uh, like the best in the world, and, and Vili Leroux is uh, also probably famous for, for his unbelievable line breaks. But you, you mentioned how difficult it was to separate some of the players. You, you really struggled at number nine. Yeah, I mean, uh, look at that. You're looking at two absolutely, you know, uh, quality players uh, in those positions. U.S. Van der Vestes and Fareed Dupreer, um, both of them World Cup winners, of course, uh, and, and fittingly so. Uh, we know that Fareed Dupreer obviously uh, is going to have another another go uh, this year. Um, and I'm, I, for one, am very heartened that uh, he, he's one of the veterans who has been pinpointed as, as integral to the cause because I still think that uh, the class is permanent. And, uh, you know, a few of those reflexes may have slowed just a tad, but uh, I would have Fareed a fit for Edith Prayer in my Springbok side, uh, you know, any day of the year um, in 2015. Um, I found them so hard to separate that that was one of the two positions where I went dead heat. Uh, I wasn't prepared to uh, to make a, um, a sort of judgment either way because U.S. Van der Vestes, and we all know what fantastic uh, competitive, combative qualities he had, and of course has still to this day uh, in the way he has fought his illness, in the, ra- the way he's raised awareness around his illness. I mean, uh, you, you couldn't wish for a more sort of tigerish competitor, and he was. Uh, he was certainly one of the key reasons why we won that uh, that World Cup in '95. Mm. Rob, you look at uh, I was looking at the the loose trio and, and the names there, uh, particularly the two flanks. Obviously, Mark Andrews was playing out of position uh, at eighth man in in that final. But uh, you look at Ruben Kruger versus Skulkberger, Francois Pinot versus Francois Lowe. Gee, we've produced some incredible Lucies over the years. Yeah, that's one of the uh, one department where. South Africa have been just unbelievably stocked for, for several decades, really. Um, you know, when you think back to the 80s and, and people like Rob Lowe, Tian Stoffberg, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you could go on and on. And, uh, you know, right through to the modern day, uh, we've got a, quite a pleasant problem in, in sort of uh, deciding which loose forwards will be uh, the ones who serve us best uh, at the World Cup. I mean, I, I'm a tremendous admirer of, of Scott Berger. I just think the man has the most unbelievable engine. Um, and the way he's, he's sort of fought back from from serious personal sort of medical adversity, uh, you know, by all accounts having been on the brink of death uh, at, at one stage uh, during his various trials and tribulations. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it was sad, of course, uh, weighing him up against Ruben Kruger, who, as we know, is the only deceased member of the, of the 95 uh, side. Um, so, you know, sad to have to record that. But, uh, you know, Ruben was, uh, was obviously a fantastic competitor in his, in his own right. Rob, looking at, at the, the, the front row, it was also, I mean, I've forgotten a lot of these names. Bali, Swart, Chris Rousseau and Aust Durant uh, was a pretty formidable front row. If you look at the front row from a Springbok perspective now, the Duplessis brothers and, and Tenai and Tawarira, that, that must be difficult to separate just as a, as a front row unit. But uh, you managed to do it from an individual player point of view. Yeah, it, it was a difficult one because, uh, you know, there's, there's a few issues around the Springbok front row this year. That, that old Sharks firm, well, of course, now 
ex-Sharks firm, I suppose you've got to say, in a couple of instances. Um, but, you know, they've served South Africa for, for many years, and there's just this little bit of a perception that someone like Yanni Duplessis uh, may have been sort of, uh, you know, almost flogged too much in the last few years, and that his his star may have sort of waned a little bit. I think he's going to be under big pressure this year from someone like Francois Herber, who's scrummed so well for the Stormers. And I had to take that into account in sort of making the judgment call between him and, and Bali. Um, again, you know, it's, it's such a subjective exercise. Uh, it, it's very difficult, uh, especially with different eras now, different demands on, on players. Um, but uh, I just thought Bali uh, has got a little bit of legend for, uh, you may remember in the semi-final, that vital scrum we had against France in the, uh, the monsoon in Durban. In the Gala. <laughs> Absolutely. And Corbus Vita, just behind Bali, was cajoling him, saying, Bali, you can go front, you can go sideways, you can go south, but you're not going, you're not going backwards. Um, and, and Bali produced. Uh, you know, those are the kind of stories that we love to hear from that 95 side. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I, I had him just, just edging that little personal duel. Well, if you want to read the, the whole comparison, it is available on uh, the website, sport24.co.za. And then, Rob, just finally, and I know this is a very difficult question, but uh, if you had to pick a side, 95 or 2015, which, which is the better box side, do you reckon? Well, uh, if, if we use my little exercise as, as any kind of yardstick, I suppose, uh, uh, in the end, uh, I found uh, I found in favour of seven of the uh, the '95 side versus six uh, in the positions from the uh, the 2000 the hypothetical 2015 side, um, and and with two dead heats, uh, I couldn't separate the scrum halves as I've mentioned. I couldn't separate uh, Kubis Visser and Ibn Etzebet as a sort of enforcer lock at number four. Um, so on the grounds of seven six, uh, let's say that, uh, that the side of ninety five takes a takes a tight first set on a tiebreak. I love it, Roy. Thank you so much for your time this evening here on SAFM Sport Trap. Always great to catch up. We look forward to doing it again soon. And uh, thank you for sharing some of your memories of the nineteen ninety five Rugby World Cup. Coming up next here on Sport Trap, we chat to outgoing Stormers coach Alice Kutsia. SAFM Sports Trap. This is South Africa's news and information leader. Big lots of rugby news uh, today. Obviously with that twenty year. Uh, celebration but it also marks the day that uh, Alistair Kutsia says goodbye to the Stormers heading to the Kobe Steelers and he joins us now Alistair welcome back onto SAFM Sport Trap thank you for your time I know you've had a, a crazy day of media commitments but we really do appreciate you taking the time to chat to us yeah, my pleasure Brad um, yeah Alistair it, must it, has, be been a, it has been has been a happy day <laughs> you're right and uh, having to say all my goodbyes to you know everyone it's it's quite uh, an emotional experience I was going to say it must have been a, a tough day uh, you, you've spent many good years uh, down in the Western Cape and it's it's always hard to say goodbye no they actually say there's no good in goodbye but uh, you know there's a time to go and uh, and, and that is it young know, it's it's uh, dawned on upon me and uh, I had a fantastic eight years, I must say. Uh, the Cape and the people of Cape Town and the Western Province in particular uh, have been uh, really good to my family and I, and especially my development as a coach, you know, and, uh, and as a person as well. So I had really fantastic uh, uh, years down here. No regrets. I'm, uh, uh, it's a chapter that, uh, you know, that is, is closing down and a new chapter for me uh, in Japan. Alistair, let's look ahead to the future, heading heading to Japan to the Kobe Steelers. We we spoke to you shortly after that announcement was made, and you were focusing purely on on the Super Rugby, and you didn't want to chat too much about it. But uh, you must be pretty excited. It's one thing coaching uh, teams uh, around the world, but Japan, that just from a cultural experience, is going to be pretty different and, and exciting. Well, absolutely, one that I'm looking forward to. I, I think you know. Um that is what life is about. It's, it's about opportunities and, and experiencing different sort of opportunities. And, 
definitely uh, broaden the horizons, you know, of, of, of the South African going to uh, experience a completely different culture. And uh, I've had a week in Japan before, and it's it was really interesting to see how uh, the rugby community, how they operate in Japan at ease uh, at this moment. Uh, they're looking for, you know, all the intellectual um, intellect that they, rugby intellect that they can get. So, uh, you know, from that point of view, 2019 is the World Cup coming. They'll be hosting the 2019 World Cup. So the Japanese are always, you know, like we know them, very hardworking and keen to improve the game. Uh, I'm going to a, a very, very good uh, club with a great infrastructure, a very professional setup. Obviously, South African players at Cobalco Steelers, uh, Andres Baca and Jacques Fury, and uh, there are a few other international players. And um, Andy Alice from the Crusaders, he's also playing there. And um, uh, Matt Van Leeuwen, he's played for the Chiefs a couple of games. So it's going to be quite interesting to work with those different cultures, you know, New Zealand, uh, uh, a couple of um, Tongans as well, and then, and then uh, you know, Japanese players. So I'm really excited and looking forward to it. Alistair, you mentioned the two South Africans there, Jacques Ferry and, uh, and Andres Becker as well. There's a lot of South Africans not just heading to Europe, but a lot heading to Japan as well. Are you, have you got your eye on any that you'd like to take over there and, and possibly bolster the squad with? Well, the dynamics you know, are a bit different. We, we only allow six internationals, and uh, at this point in time, Cobalco you know, have already got their six. So uh, who knows in future there there might be opportunities and uh, it's actually better for South African players to be playing in Japan and then is still eligible to play Super Rugby. You know if they go to Europe then obviously their Super Rugby careers are over, so to say. So uh, uh, I, I would really like to see in future if I could uh, have particularly more uh, Super Rugby players from the Stormers. I know you also mentioned a little bit earlier on today about Jacques Ferry. I mean, there's talk that, that he could possibly come back and be eligible to play for, for the box after announcing uh, his, his retirement from international rugby uh, last year ahead of this year's World Cup. But uh, not the same for Andres Becker. Well, what's the reasoning behind that, Alistair? No, the club obviously have to look at the assets as well. And uh, Andres, you know, uh, being a lock forward and uh, the club... You know, has already lost two of their locks to the Japanese national squad, and to risk Andres as well, who is uh, the marquee player there, is is a big risk, and uh, and therefore you know the uh, it's not worth uh, the while doing that, and uh, uh, you know for that reason Andres is is uh, like I say a marquee player to them, and 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 they wouldn't want to do that. You, you first and foremost, South African, you're going to be coaching in, in Japan, and, and I'm sure you do harbour a Springbok coaching ambitions as well. If, if that job does become available, could we see you back in South Africa? Now, Brett, <laughs> difficult for me to 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 decide that. Uh, you know, I am of the opinion that uh, I'm focusing on my stint in Japan, but like any young South African rugby player would like to play for the Springboks one day, if it's to be in my case also uh, aspirations are still there you know and uh, no, I definitely wouldn't uh, 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 mind doing that job one day if it's uh, if it's uh, if it's really uh, coming my way I'll do it gladly and it's just a great honor to be uh, you know to do that I've been part of it in 2007 had a taste of it and all I can do is my best in Japan and who knows uh, hopefully I could come back one day and uh, get that opportunity 
Alice Kutsia, I want to thank you so much for your time this evening, but also over the years making yourself available to chat to us here at SAFM. It is much appreciated. Safe travels, best of luck, and we look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks very much, and uh, thanks for the support over the years as well. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, remember my stint in Cape Town. Never forget and take all the memories with me. Uh, so thank you once again. SAFM Sports Wrap. Imagine life without plastics, where an abacus is a computer, a crowing rooster your alarm clock, without a snooze button. Life without plastics is life without convenience. Right now, you're probably touching it, seeing it, hearing it. Plastics, reliable, recyclable, and safe for your health and the environment. Visit plasticsinfo.co.za. This message is brought to you by Plastics SA. Don't forget to tune in to the health update tomorrow at 5 past 11. Proudly brought to you by MediClinic. Expertise you can trust. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And it's always great to see what happens at the national level for various sporting codes. And uh, often we forget about the hard work and uh, the development that goes in behind the scenes. And I can tell you that uh, a lot of work is being done as far as Sevens Rugby goes. And it was another great weekend uh, for uh, the Sevens Academy in Europe. Uh, a team captured the Geneva Sevens title this past weekend to uh, top off a memorable two-week tour of Europe. And it's a great pleasure to welcome the coach onto the program this evening, Paul Delpool. Paul, welcome onto SAFM Sports Trap. Congratulations and welcome home. Uh, thanks so much, Brad. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me. It's always great chatting to you guys. Paul, obviously the, the, the national seven side has been doing great things. Uh, they just missed out on a World Series title this year, but uh, that, that's just the, the crowning glory, seeing what's happening on, on the HSBC World Seven Series. But lots of work gets done behind the scenes, and this is where it all starts. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think the, the, the guys had a fantastic season, um, and I think it was just, uh, you know, just uh, we were just unlucky to fall off the bus at the end you know, and give give Fiji their due. They were they were incredible this season. Um, I think they were the they were the team to beat after 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 we'd won in in, yeah, in Dubai. And yeah, uh, definitely the academy it really plays an uh, important role just in terms of uh, a feeder system for the main team. You look at the guys that came from academy. It's Verena Cook, uh, Siabello Sanatla, Kwaka Smith. Uh, Justin Cadell. So those are just a few of the names of the guys that have come through the the Springboks in the academy. Paul, as, as far as the culture of winning goes, I mean, I mentioned that we won the, the Geneva Sevens, but uh, a week ago we also won uh, the, the tournament in Rome. So, so winning is important. Is it, is it a case of just developing players or, or developing that winning culture within Springbok rugby as well? Yeah, well, I think they, I think they, they're two sides to it, but it's a, good, it's a very, very good point that you make. You know, for us first and foremost is to develop the players. Um, I think it's, it's important for them to learn how to tour. Um, with the academy, we often we, we we like to take young talent with. You know, guys that 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 haven't really had an opportunity to maybe tour tour overseas yet and that kind of thing. So by the time they get to Neil, they've you know it's 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 not new. They've they've done it before. They've stayed in the hotel. They they know the routine. They know where they're going to train. Um, but then on that, on that, uh, uh, in in saying that, I think it is important to keep on building that uh, winning culture. We, when the guys are used to winning, they fight. You know, they they keep fighting quite hard for it, and that's what we want. We we want to be the world series uh, champions again. We want to be the Olympic gold medalist. So it's, it's important uh, just for the guy's psyche that winning attitude. 
Paul, from a development point of view, finding players, uh, Sevens has always been seen as the, the sort of little brother of, of the 15-man game, and, and often we see players who, who get discovered in Sevens getting poached by, by the big franchises and obviously then moving up to, to the national level as well, which is what we want to see. But how difficult is it from a Sevens perspective to hang on to good talent? Yeah, it is. It's been. I think yeah, historically, it's been it's been very very tough. Um, but I, I think the, the the great thing now again is that is that we we you know even though sevens is such a different game and it's very specialised, we we make a, a big um, effort to make the guys or to push the guys to play both. I think it's very important for their development as players to play sevens and fifteens. Uh, I think also just with the with the sevens game becoming more more popular, I think we we actually able to compete uh, salary wise nowadays. So we don't lose guys as 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 easy as we used to. Whereas in the past, you know, we didn't really have a big budget, so it was very difficult. The guy would get offered triple or quadruple what he'd be earning at the sevens, so it wasn't really a choice for him. Let's not forget, it is an Olympic sport now as well. There's not many 15-man players that get yeah. to get to go to an Olympics. So I think you might be having a few of the big names come knocking on your door. Paul Dalbot, thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to chat. Congratulations once again, and we look forward to, to seeing what the Sevens uh, side can do in Rio 2016. Thanks so much, Brad. Have a lovely evening. SAFM Sports Wrap. That's it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Lots of memories coming through on the SMS line via Twitter as well. Sam Kello 18 saying, Unfortunately, my only recollection of the 1995 World Cup fails me, but it was a great unifier. Sam Kello, you are 100% correct. It was an amazing, amazing day in South African sporting history. I always say it, there's a few days uh, that uh, if you asked anyone where they were, one of them was that day in 1995. Today, exactly 20 years ago, the 1996 African Cup of Nations. And uh, obviously... The start of the FIFA 2010 World Cup as well. So, uh, great, great memories shared today. Thank you to each and every one of our guests tonight as well. Don't forget, you can be in touch. You can tweet us at SAFM Sports Wrap. You can also find us on Facebook as well. Coming up next, uh, there's the talk shop before that, though. It's time for your news from myself, Brad Brown, and my producer this evening, Latana. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll chat again tomorrow afternoon. Cheers.